directed tonight. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43, and I'll read just two verses opening here, beginning at verse 18. Isaiah chapter 43, beginning at verse 18. And this, uh, we looked at Ezra 4 this morning, which was dealing with God's people coming out of Babylon. Isaiah was prophesying and declaring to the people uh, as they were still in Babylon. And the Bible says, Isaiah 43 and 18, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Somebody say the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I, the Lord would help me tonight. I just want to preach to you for a few moments from this scripture, a new thing. Would it be all right with anybody if God, if God did a new thing? Amen. Would you help me pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus? God, I thank you tonight, Lord, allowing us one more time together, together as your church, Lord. And I pray tonight, God, I pray, anoint us, Lord. Help us, God. We need your strength, Lord. We need your spirit, God. I pray, Lord, give us ears to hear your voice, God. I pray, Lord, that you would move freely among us, God. Your will would be done, that you would have your way in this house tonight, Lord. I pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you go back to the year 1890, there was a man by the name of James Strong, and he took upon himself a very tedious task. He took it upon himself to index every single word of our King James Bible. And Mr. Strong, he went about it probably different than, than perhaps I would have or, or some of us would have gone about it, that uh, perhaps if I was taking on such a task, I would have said, well, we don't need to index every single word. Let's kind of get the, the important words or the main words. But he did not do it that way. He indexed every single word, every, every adverb, adjective, every preposition, all 783,137 words he indexed them. And so this was long before the aid of a computer that, that I could only imagine how, how long this would have taken, that page by page, line by line, scripture by scripture, indexing every single word of scripture. And that resource was published in what we now know as Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. And it is called the Exhaustive Concordance because if something is exhaustive, that means it considers all elements or all aspects. When, when something is exhausted, that, that there is no stone that is left unturned. When you exhaust something, you, you have depleted it. You, you have completely used it up. If you exhaust a resource, that means there is none of that resource is left. If you've ever exhausted your bank account, Anybody ever exhausted your finance and, and you swipe the card and the card reader lets you know there is nothing left in your account. It has been exhausted. And, and so uh, uh, Mr. Strong, he, his resource, there are other, there are other concordances that, that have been made, but his is an exhaustive concordance because uh, he left nothing out. Every single word of Scripture was included, and so it is his exhaustive 
concordance. But I would submit to you tonight that while it was possible for a man to exhaust the, the words of Scripture, it is impossible for any man to exhaust the revelation of Scripture. That, that the Word of God, it is not just a, a, this is not just a dead book of past stories. This is not a, a history book or a, or a textbook, but, but this is the, the living Word of God. That the Bible says the Word, it is quick and powerful. And that word quick literally means alive, breathing, it has breath. That, that the Word of God, it has the power to change your life. And if you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Does anybody know that? There is nothing like the Word of God. That there is nothing uh, that compares to the power of the Word of God. And, and so uh, there is nobody that, that would ever come to a place where they can say, well, I have exhausted all revelation in the Word of God. I have just used up or I have just fully encompassed or, or fully grasped all revelation contained in God's Word. It is simply not possible. There, there is so much power that is in the Word of God. And, and while we could never exhaust the word of God the, the word itself it, it does not exhaust God himself that, that something my pastor will say often is the Bible tells us everything we need to know but it does not tell us everything that there is to know and there, there are questions that you may ask in this life that, that in this side of eternity we may simply never know. We may never fully understand. Paul said, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. And, and so it, it tells us everything we need to know to be saved and to live for God, but, but it does not fully encompass all that God is. In fact, the Bible, it does not even exhaust the life of Jesus Christ. John 21 and 25 says there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. We, we do not exhaust the revelation of the word. The word does not even exhaust the life of Jesus Christ or, or the fullness of who God is. And if I could simply tell you tonight, it is because we serve a God that cannot be exhausted. Exhausted. Isaiah 40 and 28, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. His ways are past finding out, but as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are his thoughts higher than our thoughts in his ways, higher than our ways. Can I tell you tonight that there is no, no, no part of God that could be exalted that there, there is no aspect of God that, that anybody could come to the place where they can say, well, I've seen all that God has to offer. I, I've experienced all that God is. Romans 11 and 33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, uh, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Uh, for who hath known the mind of the Lord, uh, or who hath been his counselor? Uh, he is God all by himself, uh, and his ways are beyond our ways. Uh, he, how unsearchable are his judgments. He, he counsels with no man, for he is God all by himself. 
You, that that there that no no aspect of God, no no part of His character. You you could not exhaust His mercy. The the psalm declares over and over and over again, for the Lord is good and His mercy endureth forever. That there is coming a day of judgment. We will stand before the Lord and we will give an account. But let me tell you, if you're in the house of the Lord tonight and there's breath in your lungs, you have not exhausted the mercy of God and it doesn't matter where you've been and it doesn't matter what you've been going through, there's mercy in the arms of God. There's mercy available for you here tonight. You, you cannot exhaust his love. It, it, the, the apostle Paul, he prayed in Ephesians 3 and verse 18. He was praying for the saints. He said, I pray that the saints might comprehend what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of the love of God, that which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That Paul was saying, I just pray we, the church might get a revelation that there, there is no bread. You cannot measure the bread of the love of God. You cannot measure the depth of the love of God. I'm thankful tonight that we serve a God whose love and his mercy it knows no measure. It knows no bound. It does not matter how far somebody may seem from God, how lost they may be. The love of God can reach them right where they are and pull them back unto himself. I, it was earlier this year, I was in a little town, Benton, Illinois, and there, there was a lady there. I didn't know uh, her story. I thought maybe she had gotten filled with the Holy Ghost on that Sunday morning, but, but I found out after that she was a backslider of 12 years. 12 years had gone by. She had not darkened the doors of a church, uh, but on that Sunday, she made her way into the house of God, and there was mercy uh, that was waiting for her. It, it was a couple years ago. I was down in Oklahoma, and, and there was a lady there. I, I didn't again know until after the service that she was a backslider of 27 years that was a lifetime to me that 27 years ago she had walked away from God and was walking her own way but for 27 years there was still a God of love that was drawing and reaching for her heart it doesn't matter how lost they may seem that's the power of the love of God Paul said just two verses later, Ephesians 3 and verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all, that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, cannot exhaust his power. It is not in our capacity. Anybody ever ask God for something? But in your mind, you, you, don't even, you don't even say everything. I'll ask him for this, but I'm even thinking about something else. But Paul said, no, you, your imagination cannot consider. It is exceeding abundantly beyond what you could even imagine. That's the power of God. Could I, I just share a quick testimony with you about the power and the love of God? There, there was a little girl grew up in a little trailer park outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. And she grew up in, 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 a, in a very horrible home environment. She grew up watching her mom get married four or five different times to different men. And every one of the men that came into that trailer, they were drunks, they were alcoholics, and they were abusive. It was a terrible home life that she was growing up in. But at a young age, she started getting rides to the Pentecostal church close by. She was what we would call a bus kid. Started getting rides to church, and they took her one summer to a camp meeting where God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
and something got a hold of her at that young age. She started living for God. And I wish that her testimony was that her family followed after her, but they never did. Her parents, they would let her go, but they never came to church. Uh, but that didn't stop her. Something had happened uh, on the inside of her, and she started living for God. She became a woman of prayer. She went on to go to Texas Bible College where she married a preacher, and they moved up to Nebraska to help start a church. And that little girl, that was my mom. That was where my mother came from. She came from such a home that every metric and statistic of the world would have said she should have followed down the same path and the same lifestyle, fallen into the same sin. But can I tell you, we serve a God who can do exceeding abundantly. We serve a God whose love knows no measure. We serve a God who is good and his mercy endureth forever. Doesn't matter what the situation is. Doesn't matter what it looks like. That's the power of the love of God. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody give God praise in this house. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. No part of God that could be exhausted. You, you cannot exhaust his resource. He, he is the God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. He takes the five loaves and the two fishes and multiplies it to meet the need. And there's an abundance that was left over. God can use the money of a millionaire, but he does not need a millionaire's money to do his will. It was February 2020. I was in a little town of Cesar, Illinois. And this church that was there, they had been without a pastor for a few years at this point. And their church, the, the congregation had dwindled down. There was probably only about a dozen saints that had remained after these years had gone by with no pastor. And, and they were doing everything they could to pay the bills. They owed about $350,000 on the mortgage. And they were trying to just keep, maintain it and keep the lights on. And, and they were getting right at the point of saying, we just can't afford to do this anymore. We're just going to have to close the doors of this church and shut this thing down was around that time it was not long before I had gotten there, maybe a week or two prior, they, they got a call from the local credit union there in Cesar where they owed half of their mortgage. $175,000 was owed to this credit union. And the president of the credit union, he called him up and he said, I'm getting ready to retire, but before I do, I'm going to forgive the entire loan amount that you owe to our credit union. Just like that, $175,000 was wiped out. It was just a few weeks after that had taken place that God brought them a pastor and his family that moved in there. And, and not long after the pastor came, there was a Dollar General next door. And they already had a building, but they felt like they wanted to build a new one. So they offered, hey, can we, to the church, can we buy some of your property? And they, they paid so much for just a little bit of property to build a new building on that it was enough to pay off the rest of the mortgage and still have money to do a remodel and still have more money that was left over. And I was just back at that church earlier this year. And you know what's in Cesar, Illinois today? There's an apostolic church that's preaching the truth. It's a church that they thought they were going to die in the wilderness. They thought it was over in the desert. But can I tell you, we serve a God that makes a way in the wilderness. He makes rivers in the desert. Hallelujah. We serve a God. He, he is without limit. He, he is immeasurable. You, you, you cannot just Google God. You can't just define him in a box. You, you can't figure him out with the calculation. He, he is beyond human wisdom and human reasoning and human understanding. He is infinite and everlasting. 
And so what does that mean for you and I? Well, can I tell you tonight, it does not matter. If the Lord would tarry and God would keep keep us and keep me and I would live for God all the days of my life uh, to the best of my ability, I will never come close to a place uh, where I will have exhausted him. I will never come close to a place where I can say, well, I think I've just seen about everything there is to see. I, I think I've just known about everything there is to know. I think I've just experienced all that God has to offer. No, no, no. We, we do not scratch the surface of the glory and the majesty of God. And so I don't know about you, but I, I do find it and have found it to be my prayer to say, Lord, God, if you're doing something new, then, Lord, I pray, God, do it in me, Lord. God, do something in me. I, I don't ever want to get in a place where I'm just kind of content and satisfied just to go through the routine and go through the motion and say, well, I'm just going to camp out right here. and I'm just going to kind of stay where I've been. I, I just kind of go and play church. No, but I'm saying, Lord, let me follow after you, Lord. Let me be it, Lord. If you're doing something in the world, I want to be a part of it, God. I want to be available that you could use me, Lord. And so here it was in Isaiah 43 that God, he tells his people, he says, Behold, I, I'm going to do a new thing. And it is only God that can do a new thing. It is only God's word that has the power to transform. It is only God's word that has the power to create. It is God that, that has that ability. It's not my word. It's not in our, our, our word or our power, but it is the word of God. And so God told his people, he said, I, I will do a new thing. I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to transform. I'm going to, to do something. But there was a responsibility that he placed upon his people. And we read it there in verse number 18. God told his people, he said, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. God said, I, I have something that is before you, but the only way that you're going to be able to receive it is if you will let go of what is behind you. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 3. He, he said, brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but, but there is one thing that I do. Paul, who, who we would say he did many things, but, but he said, no, it's really just one thing that I am doing. I, I am forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm, I'm reaching forth to those things which are ahead. That, that was his continual mindset. I'm letting go of the past because I'm reaching forth as I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, Christ Jesus. And I, I, I do not believe here that God was telling them that they could not remember the things that he had done. Don't believe that that is what God was instructing them. There, there are psalms, entire chapters in psalms, songs that were written as memorials where they would praise God for what he had done. And they would celebrate and thank God for, for the things that he had done for them. In fact, leading up to verse 18, the God was reminding them who he was. And, and he tells them, I'm the God that made a way in the sea. I made the path in the mighty waters. I, I brought down the armies of Egypt. Egypt. He's reminding them of who he was. It was recorded in, in the book of Judges chapter 2 
records there of when Joshua had passed away. And the Bible says in Judges 2 and verse 7, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Bible says of Joshua's generation, everybody that was there and alive during the time that Joshua was leading the people of God, the Bible says that they knew the Lord. They had seen the works that he had done for his people. And so they had their own walk with God. They they had their own revelation of God. They had witnessed what God had done. But verse number 10 says, And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. That following Joshua's generation, there came a new generation, which the Bible says they did not know the Lord. They did not have their own relationship with God. They did not have their own walk with God. And they had not seen the hand of the Lord. I would assume, I would imagine that they had heard from their forefathers, the generation before them, had told them what God had done for them. But they themselves had no experience with the power of God. They did not know him. And so here in Isaiah 43, God was talking to his people that they were in captivity. They were being held there in exile because of the sin that they had allowed to enter in. And they had been in the exile. They would be there for a total of 70 years. And and God is speaking to them in the exile. He's saying, yes, uh, I am the God that, that brought the people out of Egypt. I'm the God that parted the waters of the Red Sea. I'm the God that brought those waters down upon the armies of Egypt. But do not think that I am confined to that day or to that situation or to that time. I am still God today. And can I say that I'm so thankful for the heritage that we have. I'm thankful. What what, what a legacy, Brother Patterson, of 55 years. That is such a testimony of faithfulness. And I thank God for elders that walk before us. But can I say I cannot live on the walk of an elder. I cannot live just on their testimony, just on their relationship. But can I tell you tonight, you got to have your own testimony. You gotta have your own relationship. You gotta have your own revelation. Yeah, he was the God of yesterday, but he's still God today. Don't be so tied to the former things that you can't receive what God wants to do right now, that you can't receive what God wants to do today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he's telling them, hey, yes, I'm the God that brought the people out of Egypt back then. But don't just hold on to that. I want you to know I'm going to do a new thing. Shall you not know it? Will there be an awareness? Will there be an expectation? Or will you be so tied to the past that you're not even looking with anticipation of what I want to do today? I do believe, I I just believe we ought to have expectation. 
I believe we ought to have, when we gather together as the church, I believe we ought to come with expectation. Hey, I don't know what God's going to do, but I know he's a savior, so I just believe somebody could get saved. I don't know who what God's going to do, but I know he's a deliverer, so I believe somebody could get delivered. It, it, uh, this just took place back in July. There, there's a little church in, in Illinois, or not a little church, a little town in Illinois, Lawrenceville, Illinois. Great church there, Calvary Apostolic Church in Lawrenceville, Illinois. And I've been there many times, good friends with the youth pastor there. And, and he was sharing this with me at, at NAYC that there's a young man in Lawrenceville whose name is Jesse. And Jesse is uh, uh, 30 years old and he has a wife and two kids. And, and one day Jesse, he felt a pain in his chest and so he went to the doctor and 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 while he was there and they did a scan on his chest unrelated to the chest pains they found a tumor in his heart and uh, uh, and so the, it was a very life-threatening situation for him and and they told him they said you're going to have to go down to Georgia and and you're going to have to get surgery and get this tumor removed and there was a lady in the church that was working there that day in the doctor's office and she told Jesse she said you ought to get you ought to come get prayed for at church. And and Jesse, he had gone to high school with a, a couple of people from the church there, and he was familiar with it. He had visited before, but he was attending a non-denominational church. And, and this is just what Jesse told her. He said, you know what, uh, you're right. He said, I, I, I they don't lay hands and pray for people in Jesus' name at the church that I go to. And he said, I've never felt there what I felt when I've gone to your church. And so I believe it was the following Sunday he showed up to the church there in Lawrenceville and uh, uh, it just so happened Brother Donson didn't even know that he would be there but but he just happened on that Sunday to be preaching about having an expectation and, and church we need to make sure we have an atmosphere for the spirit of the Lord to be able to move and we, we ought to have expectation believing and, and they at the end of that service Jesse came down and they laid hands and prayed on for him in Jesus name and and then I don't know how you check for a tumor right away. So that was it. He left. They prayed and it was over. And a few days later, he went to the doctor, back to that same doctor for a follow-up appointment. And they did another scan. And, and they came back and they said, there's no tumor on your heart. And uh, uh, it actually worried them. They, they were very concerned. They said, this is not good. You need to get in your car right now and drive to Georgia immediately. And so uh, he got in his car overnight, drove, got down to Georgia about 3 o'clock in the morning. And at 5 o'clock in the morning, they they brought him uh, in to the, see the specialist and they did another scan and they came back and they said, they said, this is not possible. They said, even if the tumor had resolved itself, we would be able to see where it was. They said, it's as if there was never a tumor on your heart and, and the tumor was gone. We, we still serve a God that does miracles. We still serve a miracle working God. And so Brother Donson, the pastor, he invited Jesse. He said, he said, would you come and share with the church what God has done for you? And so Jesse, on July 30th, the Sunday after NAYC, he showed up and he invited so many people that there was 34 first-time visitors that filled the pews there in Lawrenceville at Calvary Apostolic Church, people that showed up to hear about the power of God. Can I, can I just say it again? I do believe we ought to just have an expectation that God is going to do something. Lord, I believe that you're working and God, so let me be aware. Lord, let me be watching. God, I'm thankful for every testimony that's gone before us, but God, I want my own testimony. I want my own experience. I got to have my own walk and my own relationship with you. Oh, 
hallelujah, hallelujah. I invite you to stand with me. I'll come to a close. Actually, you can be seated. I'm going to go a little longer. But something new, it, it uh, by, by definition of, of something new, of a new thing, if it's new, that means I've never experienced it before, never seen it before. I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know what to expect. I, I don't know. Anybody remember what it's like on the first day of a new job? You go to, you go to the new job and you're a little uneasy. You don't know exactly what to expect. You don't know what the boss is going to be like, your coworkers, you're trying to figure it out. Or, or students, you go to the first day of school. And uh, I don't know, first day of school, you know, everybody shows up in their first day of school outfit. Everybody's looking nice. Mom gets a picture posted on social media, first day of school. Everybody comes in on their best behavior, and you're trying to figure everything out. But by day 100, people are, like, showing up in their pajamas, <laughs> What happened between day one and 100? Well, it's got a little more comfortable. It's not new anymore. I don't know if it's like this here in Dothan. Maybe it's different. But every church I've ever been to or been a part of, uh, you know, we come to church and, and uh, we, we basically have kind of like assigned seats in the sanctuary. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We're creatures of habit. But, but if you walk into the sanctuary and somebody's sitting in your seat, you know, hey, they're sitting in my seat. And when you pull into the parking lot, your name's not on the parking spot, but it might as well be because that's where you park when you come to church. But has anybody ever been, been visiting maybe a, a family member, a friend? You were, you were visiting out of town. You were on vacation. You went to their church. Anybody ever, anybody ever done that? And you were a little bit nervous going to their church. They believe the same thing you do. They have the same Holy Ghost you do. But you don't have an assigned seat or a parking spot at that church. And, and so can you imagine what it's like for a first-time visitor when they come to church? Can you imagine what's going through their head? I, I've had uh, talked to different people before talking about their first time coming to church one of the assistant pastors where I grew up in Nebraska, he talked about the first time he came. And, and he came to church on a Sunday. He was sitting there, and as does sometimes happen, somebody got up and they ran the aisles during worship. So he said, I got up and started running after them because I assumed the building must be on fire. We have to get outside. When he realized the man he was following was just making laps around the sanctuary, he thought, these people are crazy. That's what he thought until God got a hold of him, filled with the Holy Ghost, called him to preach the gospel. But, but if you think about it, a, a visitor, they come to the house of God and, and they don't know what to expect and they don't know what it's going to be like. They don't know everything that's going to take place and, and it can be a little jarring for them. And It's not unlike what took place on the day of Pentecost that the Bible says the very first time that God poured out his spirit, something new was taking place and Jewish people from all over had gathered and, and they're hearing for the first time uh, fellow Jews speaking in other tongues and, and the Bible says that some were amazed, others doubted and some mocked and they said these men must be drunk something is not right they got to be out of their mind and Peter got up and he began to explain they're not drunk as you suppose but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days saith God I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh 
And Peter went on. He began to preach to them about Jesus. And he began to preach to them the message of the gospel, Jesus whom they had crucified. And the Bible says when they heard the message, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? The message of the gospel, it demands a response. And may we never get to a place uh, where the gospel does not compel uh, a response from us uh, that it is not just there to touch the emotion. Uh, it's not just there to move the mind, uh, but it demands a response. Uh, and when they heard the gospel, they said, what shall we do? Huh. And it was to that answer, that question that Peter told them in Acts 2 and 38. He said, repent. Somebody say, repent. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. First thing he said, what do you do? What do you do? You heard the gospel. It has compelled you. It's moved you. You want to know, what do I do? He said, you got to repent. That's the first thing. You got to repent. What does it mean to repent? Well, I've been living a certain way my whole life. This is all that I know. This is what my friends do. This is what my family does. I'm familiar here. I'm comfortable here. I know what to expect here. But to repent is to say, I'm going to leave this behind because I believe that God has something greater for me. So I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm stepping out of what I'm familiar with. I'm leaving old things behind. I'm not considering the things of old because I'm following after God. I'm trusting in God. I've got to repent. I've got to turn away from sin. And I've got to turn towards God. That's repentance. It's calling somebody out of their comfort. And that's what we're saying to every guest, every visitor that we have. We're saying, hey, God has something so much greater than what you've ever experienced before. God has something so much greater than how you've been living. And if you would step out of your comfort zone, if you would step out of everything you're familiar, and if you would trust in God, God has something great for your life. But what about, what about me? What about somebody that's had the Holy Ghost for a long time? What about somebody that's had the Holy Ghost for 20 or 30 years? You've been living for God for a long time. Can God still call you out of your comfort zone? Can God still say, hey, I know you've been walking with me for a long time, but let me tell you, you have not exhausted me. You have not exhausted my power. You have not exhausted my mercy, my goodness. I still have something more for you. And if you would be willing to step out of your comfort zone, step out of the place where you are. I've just been here a while and I, I kind of know what to expect here but is there somebody that would say, oh God I believe that you're not done so let me step out, let me follow after you. If that's what I want somebody to do to get saved then can I still say, oh Lord I'm still going to follow after you let me lean not to my own understanding let me trust in you with all of my heart that you would direct my path and my steps. 
there's an elder in the church in O'Fallon, Illinois, where I base out of, and I, I don't think she would mind me sharing this. She shared it publicly earlier this year in a prayer meeting there that, that this elder there, probably in her early 60s, and she's been raised in church her entire life, never strayed, never walked away, been faithful for so many decades living for God. And, and she shared this earlier this year that, that I, I believe probably two years ago, maybe around that time, that the Lord began to stir her and the Lord began to deal with her. And, and again, she's lived for God, such a faithful, precious saint of God, lived for God for so long, been so faithful. But, but she was just sharing, being transparent with the church. And she said the Lord had begun to deal with her. The Lord had begun to stir something in her. And she just felt like God was calling her somewhere deeper, uh, to a deeper place of prayer. And she, she said God began to call her in an intercessory prayer and she was just being transparent with the church that I, I'd never prayed like that before. I'd never never walked in that depth of prayer before, but, but the Lord was just stirring something in her saying, hey, I, I want to call you a little bit deeper. I want to call you a, a little bit further. I'm not finished with you yet. I, I know you've been faithful for over 60 years, but I, I still have something more for you. I, I still have a place for you in my kingdom. I, I still want to use you in a way that you've never been used before. And as she began to step out in faith and just begin to pray, she, she'd been coming now for oh, over a couple years now to the church every week and she she prays and she's now the prayer coordinator for the church there and and God just been using her in a way that she had never been used before. Uh, oh let me tell you tonight it doesn't matter who you are or where you are. Uh, if there's a hunger in you, if there's a desire in you, God uh, will use you to do something greater. Uh, I ask you to stand now for real this time. He's the God of something new. You, you have not exhausted him. He has not run out of his power. He has not run out of his grace, his goodness, uh, that there's no part of God uh, that could be exhausted. Uh, and he is still working, uh, and he is still moving on the earth. Uh, and it is my desire, say, Lord, God, I want to be a part. Lord, I want you to use me. Oh, I wonder, just begin to pray for a moment right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, Lord, I pray against every every hindrance, God, everything that would that would get in the way of what you want to do, Lord. Lord, I pray let there be a boldness. Get a hold of your church, God. Boldness of the Holy Ghost to say, Lord, God, we want to walk forward. We Lord, we, we want to be aware. God, don't let us be so tied to what is behind us that we're not reaching forth to what you had before us. But I pray, give us an expectation, God. Give us a desire. I pray for a young person tonight to say, I, I'm not living off my parents' walk with God. I, I can't live off my pastor's walk with God. I, I got to have my own walk. I, I got to have my own relationship, Lord. I got to learn how to walk with you. If that's your desire tonight, if you want God to do a new thing, I, I open up this altar tonight and I, I just invite you to begin to seek after the Lord. And I want to tell you, He is well able. We serve a God that is well able. Oh, in the name of Jesus.